This episode of Into the Boundary is powered by Soma Movements and Therapeutics, as well as Sant Fitness. If you enjoy our episodes, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Think Well Productions, for exclusive content. Into the Boundary is also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Into the Boundary. We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? They say you a half-day, shut up and dribble. Finish your career, you stuck in the middle. Figured it out, then you stuck with the riddle. Broke your body down, got stuck in the spittle. Might have had pro dreams, and you made it to the top. Might have make it to the lead, but you made it off the block. They were screaming your name, they were screaming your name. Lifetime dreams is to get in the game. Now you up in your dorm, trying to take and get playing. Got a lot on your plate, do it right for the fam. Do it right for the fans, got it right in your hands. Everybody can't go, falling out with your man. Falling out with your man, they never understand. What you going through, they never understand. What you dream about, they never understand. When we clear it up, I hope you understand. We just Putting it out, you never heard the stuff on how I blew the bag and I spurs and stuff. Used to be the man, I never heard it cuz. Got a lot to say, I got some words for cuz. We going into the boundary, erasing the boundary. They're making the boundary, replacing the boundary. Showing you direction when you facing the boundary. Pushing it further, we breaking the boundary. Into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary. Think well, production. And today, we're going into the boundary with a Temple Isle that helped stop a 30-year drought with a bowl game victory in 2011. The first and last Division I scholarship out of Cardinal Doherty High School, three-year starter, all-Catholic selection. Played his college football career at Temple University, made two bowl game appearances, member of the Bristol Bear Rugby Club, English Professional Rugby Club in Bristol, England, USA Rugby Trialist, Quentin White. What's good, bro? What's up, baby? How you doing? I'm chilling, man. Uh, ain't seen you in a while, man. Hey, man, I've been out the way. Listen, man, what you what you back in town for, man? My little cousin, she um, she just recently started to um, push her poetry out to the world. So she been on Instagram promoting herself and everything, and I was showing her a whole lot of love. And she had was promoting this event that she was hosting. So I was telling her that I wanted to come out and check it out. And in turn, I turned it, you know, I wanted to come do it. So I told her I was going to hit the stage for it. So I popped up for that. So, like, is open mic something that you do? Nah, that was my first time. But you do write? I do write poetry, yeah, a lot. Um, I've been writing for a while, but she inspired me to actually want to hit the stage because she had the event. So I wanted to support her, but I couldn't come support just by sitting there if I'm actually a poet. So, right. So, you know, like, writing is like real private, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, how did it feel to be on the other side? Like, you basically perform something you wrote? That was the biggest thing for me because I actually did a, um, a open mic once before, probably like six years ago. But when I did it, I did it for the stage fright type of thing. I wanted to see if I can actually uh, conquer that part of me. Mm-hmm. So I had somebody that came to the event with me and they kind of 
gassed me up to do it. So when I went up there, I didn't recite nothing that I wrote. I recited a poem that somebody else wrote. Mm. So I did it just to kind of see how I flowed. You know what I'm right. saying? So this is the first time I ever did my own personal work. So so like you was up there, you had to memorize it or you read it off? As far as the poem I did today? Yeah. No, I, I had memorized it. No word. Did you like... So you know how like poetry is now, like you really be performing it, like they be like breaking it down, how yeah. they enunciate things yeah. and make it go together as a concept. Yeah. You wave you like that. Nah, see, the way I philosophize it is like I don't consider it a poem. I call them verses because they all personal. They coming from my trials, my tribulations. Mm-hmm. So this one I chose to do today, it didn't have no theatrics. It was literally me. I wanted to get it off. So I mm. said it with some conviction, but I ain't have to put on a show. It was just like you know, you capture people's attention. Everybody's listening to you because of what you're speaking about. Right. So I was banking on that more so than the whole, I'm about to say this thing this way or <laughs> put my hand over here or walk across the stage. I didn't do no goofy stuff like that. I just kind of got my words off. That was it. How was the reaction? You, you got a good response? I got a lot of love. I had a lot of some family in there too, but I got a couple people came up to me afterwards, you know what I mean, showing me love, telling me that was good, wanting to follow me on social media and everything. So that felt good at least. That's super dope, man. Yeah. You know, this is Into the Boundary, man. We we got to dive into your life, man. Uh, can you tell us about your upbringing, where you from, your family dynamic? Mm-hmm. I'm from Frankfurt. You're from Frankfurt. Yeah. King of the football legends. You know what I'm saying? Right. You already know. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, but I came up in Frankfurt, my whole whole family in Frankfurt. So anybody that you probably know from Frankfurt, they probably know me, know some of my folks. Generations of generations of people grew up in Frankfurt. My mom and dad met at Frankfurt High. You get what I'm saying? Like, all they peers that they grew up with when they was kids, and they all had kids, and we all grew up together, right. playing for the Frankfurt Chargers. So my cousins, my family, we deep. We got a real big family. So um, my household was just me and my little sister. So I'm the oldest. My dad, he a police officer in the city. My mom, she used to work for the city, too. So we just blue-collar family. You know, we grew up. My mom and dad worked a lot. I had my little sister. I had to hold her down most of the time. So... I wasn't the most uh, extroverted person when I was a kid. I had to kind of grow up a little fast. Yeah. So mom's at work, dad's sleep. He worked the night shift. I got to take care of my little sister throughout the day. You know what I'm saying? We got to chef up a little food here and there. We got to find stuff to entertain ourselves within the house all day. So I'm big brother. It's times where I'm in the room playing PlayStation where I don't want to be bothered. It's other times I'm rolling around in the carpet playing with her Barbies and G.I. Joes with her. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, <laughs> like Rugrats. You know what I mean? It's like the little Rugrats. So me and her combined with my little cousin, sleepovers and the whole nine. Just a regular kid for real. Just a lot of responsibilities. But it was, it was a little different. Yeah, man. What's your, what's your age get? For what? My sister and me? Yeah. Three years. Three years? So three years apart. So like, are y'all like mad tight as adults now? Yeah, we, we've been tight since babies. That's my best friend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I go, there's, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. There's nothing she wouldn't do for me. That's probably the only thing that could probably take me off the deep end. You know what I'm saying? Calm, cool, and collected. But that's something that I don't play with me and her like that. Like we inseparable type type vibes. All right. Yeah. So you talked about uh, playing for the Frankfurt Chargers. You know, I always ask guys, what's their introduction to sports? Like, what was your first time like being introduced to sports? Oh man, that's a funny story because like. Told you, Frankfurt, like everybody, football is just something that we all did. Like everybody loved football. Like your uncles, your pop, like they all played for the Chargers when they was young boys. Now they all coaches. So it's just a thing you do. You go play for the Chargers. You know what I'm saying? You rep the hood and you go win championships, right? So my dad, he used to like, that's real talk. My dad, he used to always want me to play football. Everybody, but I never was that kind of kid. You know what I'm saying? I used to play the video games. I'd be chilling. And um, I used to always play like 
NCAA, college football. You remember back when that game was popping? You always yeah. create yourself, create your team. Yeah. So you want to be a football player, but when it comes to real life, it's like, oh, this is a whole different game. Exactly. So I never really wanted to do it. I actually kind of used to be scared to do it because I never knew if I could be good at it or if I was even built for it. So it's just it's the farthest thing from my mind. But um, my whole family, we grew up in Frankfurt Projects. I don't know if you're familiar with that down there, right? Where we, it's all where our whole field is at. This is where everybody bred at. So my whole family down there. So I used to go down, spend the night with my cousins. We used to just run around just being kids or whatever. So it just so happened one night I was down there spending the night at my cousin Bubba crib. And uh, they had to go sign up for football the next day. So we run around the hood just playing around. So the next day, everybody like, all right, where we going? Where we going to sign up? So I'm with them now. These are my little cousins, too. Right. So at that moment, I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to be, you know what I'm saying? Am I going to play or not? Yeah, I'm going to be a cornball or what I'm going to do. So it's all internal. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going with the flow. So I walked over there with them. They signed their name on the paper. I signed my name on the paper. I wasn't trying to get laughed at a clown for the rest of the day. Like, why you ain't signed up? Yeah. Couldn't tell nobody I didn't want to do it. I, ain't, I was scared. <laughs> so I signed up for it. And from then, it was history after that. You know what I'm saying? What was, what, what was it like when you first started playing, though? Was it like, was you like the soft kid first or was it natural? Or? I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Because this, no bullshit, this is exactly how, and I probably ain't talking to nobody about this but myself. It's something that I battled with and it made me who I am right now because I was like, I wasn't a super big young boy, but I didn't play on my weight that I was supposed to play on. My age bracket, I was supposed to be on an on 85-pound team. But I was a little bigger, so instead of having to lose weight, run around with the trash bag and all that, yeah. I went straight to the 95. So I played with, like, uh, Party, Ryan, uh, Calvin, and all them. Yeah. So I was a young boy playing with them, and they all done been playing football since they was a little smaller than me. So we did the angle tackle drill. When you line up one person on D, one person on offense, and you run to the cone, and you got to make the tackle. Right. So I'm on defense. I got to make the tackle. Calvin running the ball. Calvin's fine. Calvin was a horse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I tell him this when I see him, but – we ran cleanly. Like he, I remember he came. We, we went at the cone. <laughs> yo, he, he lowered his shoulder, right? My doctor, we good to, we went to the ground, but I took all of it. I took it all, right? And mind you, at this point, my first time with pads on, so I got the birdie, gray face mask, the line down the middle, helmet ain't probably tight as it's supposed to be. So when I took that hit, bro, I felt it. Like you know what I'm saying? It hurt. You know what I mean? So when I got home that night, I remember looking in the mirror, bro. There's no bullshit. I had a bruise from like my ear down to my neck, like, and I'm looking at myself like, damn, like, this nutty, like, and look at me, yo, like, it's crazy. So <laughs> I had time after that to get right because this was in the beginning. We had no game, so now yeah. the weekend is here, we ain't got no games. So I got time to get together. My dad took me to Six Smiths, you know what I'm saying? So I went, got me a new red face mask, got me a nice little robot, got mm-hmm. my swag right, right. You know what I'm saying? I put my chin strap on, I figured out, now nah, they had this a little tighter, learning mm-hmm. curve. Tightened him up, got back to practice, angle tackle drill. Next time I got a chance, pop, throwing that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So from then on, it was a wrap. That's what I learned what football was about because he fucking ran me over. I ain't had to get that happen to me twice. It ain't had to happen to me twice. One time was enough. That mirror, yeah. When I looked in the mirror, bro, I'm like, this ain't it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this ain't it, though. I don't want this. No, that's funny as shit. Uh, so how many years did you do that for? I did it, what, 95, 110, 45. Four years. Four years. Four years. So um, where did you decide to go to high school at? Well, like I said, I played ahead of my age bracket. So I actually had an extra year left to play for the 145, but I skipped it and I went straight to high school. I was supposed to go to Frankfurt because I didn't get accepted nowhere out of middle school. So I went to public school. So I wasn't really that educated about 
school. Yeah. I just it just was I just knew I was going to Frankfurt. So my mom wasn't having it though. You know what I'm saying? All my cousins was going there, everybody I grew up with. She just wanted me out of the neighborhood. She didn't want me to kind of follow in the trend of I guess what normalcy is for most people. So she sent me to Doherty. I don't know if you remember um uh name was Chantel Hardy. Her her dad was was my first coach in football, but she went to Doctor. She played basketball. She was real good. And my mom sent me there because that was our connection to Doctor. That's the only person that, I, that we knew that went to that school. So my mom just sent me there off the whim. So I still remember um when she took me up there to meet with them to have an interview before school started, because you know Catholic school, yeah. public school is a whole different transition. So I'm driving up to Alany. Like this is how in the bubble that I was growing up, like in my neighborhood, because going to Island, you know, I come in that rising sun, you go underneath the bridge where the creek at. Yeah. I feel like I was in a different part of the world. I ain't know where I was going. <laughs> I ain't know nothing about nothing, dog. I'm just in the car, like, where we going? We pull up the doctor, next thing you know, I'm in there talking to this lady, and there we is. I'm going to Cardinal Doherty High School, and I ain't know nothing about Doherty when I showed up there. I didn't know about the program. I ain't know how good they was. Nothing. Like, I'm just green. Like, what am I doing here? Right. I still remember the first time uh, we had a little football welcome meeting. The varsity team was down there practicing on the field or doing something, and we just at the back of the school about to walk in to meet with the coaches, and they breaking it down in the huddle. CD on three, one, two, three, CD. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in my head, like, what kind of that shit is that? CD, what are they talking about? Who CD? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? What music they, they, I didn't know what they was talking about. So introduction to uh, the document was a whole different experience in me. Like, I felt like a um, like a deer in the headlights, I ain't gonna lie from the beginning. Like we had um first time we went in there, we had a meet the meeting I'm talking about. All the freshmen was in the cafeteria. I remember being there kind of early. I'm just sitting in the back with my dad and everybody was walking in kind of one by one. All the dudes that I know now to be my best friends, like they all come walking in one by one. I don't know none of them. I'm looking at him like, oh, I'll run him over. He like, <laughs> oh wait, now nah, he was like, all right, I'm, I'm just sizing everybody up, yeah, trying to figure out what we about to get into, and then right. I start finding out all about that program and how you know it was just one of those situations that wasn't the best for me. So I wasn't the happiest when I first got there because you go from Frankfurt and you go from being around the people you know since you was kids, you go from winning all the time to saying now I'm about to go play for the school that ain't won a game in 30 years. Mm. So overcoming that mentally was hard for me, and I was mad at my mom for a little while about it, but. You know, it was just part of the journey. So how long did it take you to adjust there? Like, you know, you said that you you was kind of, you resented, you know, being there and all that. And it was, a, you know, opposite of how you've been growing up. You know, y'all mm-hmm. winning tradition, losing tradition. Yeah. Like, what was your mindset, you know, being there? I don't really think I ever um, adjusted to it or made peace with it. Like, my brothers, I call them my brothers. Now, these are my best friends. They'll tell you, like, I wasn't the... Uh, the happiest person when I was there, but that wasn't always a negative. It was a positive too, because I took it all out on the field. Yeah. You know, you talk about personal life, how I came up, you know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't the the most friendly person, not because I was bad or evil to anybody, just mentally I had a lot going on in my mind. And then you take your home life and then you take being separated from your neighborhood. I'm the only person at my school, mainly that's catching the bus going the opposite direction. Like I just wasn't part of that culture. These dudes knew each other from middle school. They, go home to the same neighborhoods and I'm going the other way. So I was just there kind of to play football in the beginning. And the fact that we wasn't that good, it was like, all right, well, I got to make the best of it and do what I got to do. So all the aggression I had, all the animosity I had, I had to take it out on the field. So dudes first knew me because 
I'll be hitting niggas hard. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anybody that came across me, I, I was leveling niggas out. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. At practice, like, in the games. Like, I ain't the dude that's smiling in the games. I'm not happy because we losing. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I that's to, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's real. Because, yeah. literally, my brother tell you to this day, like, that's just how it was. Like, people don't understand. They look at us at Darkie and they say, well, Darkie this, Darkie that. But they don't really know what we had to deal with in there because it wasn't a normal high school football experience because you had a school that don't care about you. You know what I'm saying? Programs don't have nobody backing it up. You talking about equipment you got trash. You got no support. You know what I mean? You the laughing stock of the school really because you're not winning. And I come we come into that. You get what I'm saying? So And the basketball program was like opposite of that. And the basketball program was live. It was lit. You know what I'm saying? So for us it was crazy because me and my squad, we bonded together because, you know, football, we start early. It's August before mm-hmm. school even start. So we already clicked up at practice. We got a freshman team now. So we wasn't – I didn't come in there JV, varsity legend. I had a freshman year where I played strictly on the freshman team. And that's what me and my squad clicked that in. We actually um started our first, our first three games, I think we lost, and then we won like five games straight. So it got to the point where we was like, oh – we them boys, you know what I'm saying? Because you'll come into school on Monday, right? And then announcements come on in the morning. They're like, okay, Dockery football played against Newman Garetti last weekend. Varsity lost 30 to nothing. <laughs> nah, I know you're trying to clown them, but like freshman team won their game. You know what I mean? Then it was always, oh, everybody hyped. They, they drawing on us because they're like, oh, we don't win. So it started off to be like a pity, like, oh, y'all won to the point we won consecutively. Then it was like, oh, y'all boys, y'all, y'all legit. So then it came to a point where we had a little bit of um, little friction between some of the upperclassmen and some of the lower classmen because we walk around with our chests poked up like yeah, yeah. and they looking at oh, these young boys y'all know what's going on da 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 so we had like a freshman day Remember, like I don't know if y'all did that they did some thing called freshman day where, what, is, what is freshman day bro? I don't know what it was supposed to be like you freshmen now the upperclassmen this day come around I guess they pick on you they make the day hard for you they haze you in a way I guess yeah but. The way we was feeling, it was like, that ain't what's about to happen. So it's freshmen versus everybody else. So if y'all coming for us, we coming for y'all too. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we was in there drawing. I'm talking like, uh, I'm talking, we found like an upper class, or maybe not the biggest upper class, but we catching the sheep. You know what I'm saying? That's running around lagging. Mm-hmm. So catching him in a trash can, rolling it down the cafeteria type joint, <laughs> grabbing balls, holding six people holding him to the goalpost, throwing footballs at him. But we taking losses too in certain kind of ways. Not. <laughs> Not my squad, but you got certain freshmen that's getting got. So we riding for everybody else, yeah. getting everybody else the best. It was a fun day, but that was just the dynamic of how our team worked. And it's crazy because I feel like that kind of set dudes back, too, because I feel like for them reasons, the coaches used to look at us like, no, nah, I ain't feeling these young boys. Because I never played one freshman game. I mean, one JV game or varsity game my freshman year. I ain't suit up, dressed or nothing, and I was one of the best players on the team. Even then? Yeah. Even then, as a freshman, as a freshman, us winning and us balling, they ain't showed me no love on the varsity JV tip. So it was like it was just us against the world for that first year. You know what I mean? That was that. We made a name for ourselves and we just rolled, rolled with it. You know, um, I don't want to stay here too long, but just the you said something a while back about not having much support and like this, you know, they didn't care about us. Mm-hmm. How did you get past that? Like, you know, what made you stay there for four years? I ain't no choice. I had no choice. Where I'm going to go? My mom not. It's, my mom, she supported me to death, but for her, football wasn't what she cared about. My mom the type of woman, and I love my mom to death, but say I ain't clean the bathroom, like she told me to the night before. She's straight telling me, you ain't going, don't go to practice. Come home after school so you can clean this bathroom. That's how she was. 
And I got to be like, all right, just don't come home. I just got to go to practice. And I hope that she don't come and pick me up from school or something. That's crazy. She didn't care. So I had no school to go to. I had to deal with it. So um, when did you really get on the field at Docker? My sophomore year. I was starting my sophomore year. And what you was playing? Linebacker. You was holding it down? I was holding it down. I was starting every year from sophomore year to senior year. So just, you know, just tell me about how your high school career went from all them years. Well, I mean, as soon as I got on the field freshman year, it was the same story. as it was, I mean, sophomore year, it was the same story as from freshman year. I just kind of carried it along. I just knew how to play football. So any game that we was in, I, I wasn't – I had a lot of optimism sophomore year where I was like, all right, we're going to come in. We're going to do something different. We're going to start winning. But then it's a lot of politics and football. So like I said, the coaches, they got who they want to play certain positions. So all my homies not really playing as much as I might be playing. So – my energy transfers is different now. I'm not playing with the same balls that I was balling with. I'm playing with everybody else now, so I got to right. fit into their game. So we would still be losing and stuff like that, but I took the mindset where it's like, all right, well, we still play in the Catholic League. We still playing against fairly good schools, so I'm going to just do what I got to do and hold it down and what I got control over. So right. I would just go out there and just make plays. Like I was a defensive player the majority of the time. I never really played much offense, so if somebody had the ball, I was a ball hawk. I just went and got the ball. That's crazy. So, like, and, you know, you love football at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you want to get to the next level, mm-hmm. but you're on a losing team. Mm-hmm. So, is that a type of style of play? Like, I got to, like, damn, if I don't get to pick this game, if I don't have a crazy hit, mm-hmm. like, I didn't make no noise, then I ain't going to get no recruits. Like, did you have that type of pressure on yourself? Exactly, yep. That's why I told you I wasn't running around smiling. Like, we would lose games, and some people, like, we the bus ride back home, and everybody be chilling, laughing. Like, I used to literally sit in the front of the bus, next to the coach like not in the seat with him but like across the road like and just sit there like stare out the window like in my mind I was living in the future already but the present was I gotta play these games but I'm like I gotta get to the next level you know what I'm saying all this was a like a premeditated plan from when I was young but I wanted to play on the next level once I started playing football so I took all that stuff personal like I wasn't happy all the time I didn't like to lose you know what I'm saying so I still remember um to my bug he was like our best player when I first got there. And I still remember in training camp, coach came out, boarded in my own stack of envelopes. And I remember looking over. I ain't say nothing to him. I just was watching him. It had like college logos on it. So I figured they was college letters. So I'm like, oh, that's dope. He can recruit. And that's what gave me hope. I'm like, oh, you can get you can get money outside of the school. Like two people come in here to look at people, at least right. him. So I'm like, if he could do it, I could do it. So from then on out, it wasn't about winning or losing for me, even though I played the win at all times. And this right-handed guy, everybody I played with know I gave everything when I was on the field. So I knew what I had to do to get a scholarship. All I got to do is control what I can control. And if I'm making plays, somebody come see me. So right. I played against good schools, top-notch players. I want to be remembered when I get off the field. I want dudes to say, oh, Doherty, they trash. But the boy number 32, you know what I'm saying? I want people to know at least who I was. And then I just took it, like, grand off from there. So I would literally make all the plays, like you gonna test Larry, he'll write our reports. Quentin White, 15 tackles. Every game, I always get like 15, 20 tackles, bro. <laughs> Real tough. That's how it was. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Shout out to Ted for, for, for covering us. Shout out to the boy Ted, man. Legend. I'm gonna try to get him up here, man. I don't know how he's doing, but I would love to interview him. Um, yeah, so just talk, you talking about recruiting and stuff like, did you do camps? Did you, you know, what was your recruiting process like? Well, we, um, we tried a couple times to go to camp. Like I said, it wasn't that much support, so our coaches wasn't, like, advocating for us to do anything. So every time we did anything, it was strictly from the muscle. So I still remember one time – remember Scout.com? Yeah. They had a camp at one point, right? And that was the first thing I remember our coaches actually tried to help us out with. So we got into a car. It was probably like six, seven of us. 
and he was going to take us to the scout.com camp. Mm-hmm. And I remember we was driving up there. We stopped at McDonald's, got us breakfast, right? We on our way. We was hype shit like little young boys ready to go play. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened. It was kind of weird. It was almost like he just canceled the trip on the way there. I don't know if he didn't have an address. Or, it was some weird, corny stuff that happened where we just stopped and they took us back to the school. We never went. Didn't know what that was about. So fast forward, we had this little flyer on our weight room door. They taped it up there, and it was about a camp. It was an organization in Philly, I think, at the time. It was called like ISAA. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I never heard of them. Yeah, they held they held a little combine type thing, and it was at Temple um, Temple Field. Right. So we went up there and we did that. You know, running forties, running drills, just you know, what I mean, some local stuff to kind of get young boys exposure. And after the camp was over, Temple. Uh, Assistant came out with all these flyers for the Al Golden camp. And I remember taking one of those flyers and I ended up going to Al Golden's camp. And um, from that, that's how I started getting recruited by Temple. And it was a combination of the camp because I went to the camp and I performed well at the camp. At the end of the camp, they always used the thing like this fastest man thing where they line all the campers up and you run from the goal line to the 50. And every time, um, maybe like the top three people in each heat, they took them to the next one. And it just it's a race, last man standing type joint. And at my camp, I won it. I won the race, John. So I'm a underrated football player that ain't got that much exposure, but that got me exposure from them. And then at the same time, that's when Daryl Robinson was at Temple, and then Shahid was getting recruited by them because they went to the same high school. Right. And I think when I when I got to Temple, I found out that one of the coaches had asked Shahid about people that was uh, good in the city. I think they asked him about me, and she gave me like a nice reference. And then um, from then on, I started getting recruited. And it was over from there. So, like, so is that, like, your first recruiting experience with Temple, or was it more schools, or that's just who you fell in love with? That was the biggest school, because I knew I had confidence in my talent level, so I wanted to go D1. So, outside of Temple, it was not no D1 schools. It was, like, uh, Hampton. I could get recruited by Hampton, like, Norfolk State, um, Bloomsburg. I went up to Bloomsburg. Remember Jari? Jari Evans? Yeah. Him and my my cousin is real close. They went to Frankfurt together, and I I went up there with him one day. You need to plug us. He need to come sit in his chair, too. I ain't talked to him in a long time. Like, he wasn't really that tight with me, but him and my cousin was real tight. But I went up there with them on some, like, I'm a little cousin. I just rode along. It was like a homecoming, so it wasn't even a recruiting visit. I was just with Jari and my cousin. We went to parties, and I met people. I went to the campuses to check it out. But um, I wanted to go big, so I wanted to play on a high level. So that's how I did that. Yeah. So, so when you get to Temple, right? Yeah. Is it everything that you expect? Like, what did what did you expect to do? Did you red shirt? Did you um, get a chance to play? You know, what was what was your expectations when you got there? I don't know. Like, I really don't think I had any expectations because I was like a hybrid type of player. Like, what Temple wanted me to do in my recruiting process, it was like they liked the way I played, they liked the aggression I played with, the speed and my athletic ability, and they they wanted to transition me into what they seen as a prototype kind of player. I came in the temple from Dockery at like 180 pounds, and they wanted me to play linebacker. You know what I'm saying? Like a traditional linebacker. They wanted me to play linebacker. That's what I was coming in there for. Like, I wanted to play a defensive back, but Golden, like, look, we're going to put some weight on you. It's going to be the process. you got all the intangibles to be what a linebacker is going to be, I guess, in the future. He's seen a future vision, I guess, for me, and I followed along with it, so... When I first got there, I was super-duper focused on putting on weight, getting strong, and proving myself. Like, I'm the young boy. I'm the little fish now in the pond. So I'm like, I'm just do what everybody else is doing. I'm going right. to work out hard. I'm going to go to extra workouts. We did 707s all summer. Like, we there from summer one to summer two. So that whole first experience for me was just all about assimilating myself into the team, 
getting the respect from the older people and trying to get in where I fit in. Um, when I came in, I ain't registered at all. I came straight in and played because during training camp, we had like a little, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but they would kind of like gassing you up to like work real hard to make the team. So that way you didn't settle for being a red shirt. So like at practice, sometimes a coach would come bring out props and put them by you in the stretch line. So if they felt like you was a player on the team that was holding the team back, maybe your actions off the field or your work ethic on the field was kind of weak, mm-hmm. they might bring an anchor out. You hold mm-hmm. the team back that's sitting right next to you while you walk, while you're stretching. They even brought rolls of toilet paper out, sat next to people because you're soft. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But it was at one point where they was bringing out airplanes, like big toy airplanes. But the airplane, if you got a plane, that means you made the traveling team. Like you was, you was going to play. So when I seen certain freshmen getting airplanes, I'm like, well, all right. So that was how that went. We were balling on special teams. You know what I'm saying? So I ended up making the team off of special teams. So from the rip, I was just special team, going kick off, kick return, punt, punt return, everything possible. I was playing all special teams my freshman year. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you were there during the years where y'all really, like, turned that program around. Yeah. And just speak a little bit about that, you know, because a lot like Doherty, mm-hmm. you know, Temple had some real rough years. Mm-hmm. And then they had them great years when y'all was there, man. Yeah. Just speak about that turnaround. That was probably what made it that special, you know what I'm saying, to be a part of something like that because a lot of people don't really understand that because before I got there, Golden had that team a couple of years and they was losing every game, but they was in the Big East. Mm-hmm. So they was playing Miami, all them high-profile schools. And then it was that one year where they transitioned to the Mid-American Conference and they was playing in the MAC. Mm-hmm. And that first year they was in the MAC, they won four games. Prior to that, they wasn't winning none. So my year, my first year there was that second year in the MAC. And as a freshman playing all special teams, we only won, we won five games. So that was a little more than the year before. But we had a real good team. Like, we had a lot of, like, those blue-collar boys that got overlooked. Mm-hmm. And they used to, our coaches was, like, legit. Like, they had us working hard. Like, we was in there putting in so much work. Like, we all tight to this day because of all the stuff we went through together at that school. And we we started we just started dominating people after a while. And it, it was really because of what we did at practice and how them coaches really put us through that, that ring. Mm-hmm. Like, it was crazy. So some of the hardest stuff I ever did in my life at Temple. Like it made it really made me a man at that school. Like a lot of us. Dean Dean was telling me Dean was telling me about some of these workouts. First of all, Dean memory is trash. Yeah. But he be tell he was telling me before about like uh all the forty five plates in the back of a pickup truck mm-hmm. pushing them around the coach field. Pete. Yeah. He was a second he was the second wave of coaches. He wasn't there with Golden, but Coach Pete, crazy boy. I'm talking he took every plate out of the weight room, put it on the back of his pickup truck. He had a lazy board, like one of these we sitting in right now. He in the back of the truck sitting on the chair with the weights all around him with a whistle. And we, three people at a time, we pushing his truck laps around the football field, like 15, 20 laps. Like, That's crazy. He blow the whistle, me, you, and Dean pushing, right? He might make us, don't know how long we're going to be pushing for. He might push 10 seconds, 15 seconds, whatever. So when he blow the whistle, the next three come up. Mm. We just doing that all the way around the field until he say Ooh. stop. We did so much crazy stuff. And we used to get punished a lot, too, because, like, being on campus, just doing whatever. Like, we used to have to wake up early in the morning and do all kind of crazy stuff. Practices was hard. Like, no, nothing I ever did in my life. It was, it was different. It's probably, like, total opposite of what you was experiencing at Doherty. Yeah, we had Doherty was, like, every man for itself, kind of, in a way. We didn't really have too much structure as far as practice winning. It just was, a, I told you, it was different. Yeah, man. So um, talk about some of your standout years, you know, at Temple, man, and, I, you know, embracing your role and, you know, your, your better years up there. My, my, my favorite year at Temple was my junior year. 
But that's when um we was transitioning to actually getting on the field playing um defense, like my actual position I was there for. And um my junior year, the only person that was ahead of me wasn't even an upperclassman. It was my man Ty. Um, me and him came in the same year, same position. So we came in the same situation, having to gain weight the whole nine. So, you know, I mean, he did a little better as far as gaining weight than I did. So he was listed as a starter. But the way Golden had our structure set up, our defense was like the next man in type job. So mm-hmm. we always had like a second wave that we used to always sub in and out to keep the energy high, keep the uh, endurance up. So we'll do series after series. If he started the game, second series, we on defense, I'm in the game. When next series on defense, he in the game. We did that the whole game. So that's when I got the most playing time, and that's when I put in the most work. You know what I'm saying? So that was my standout year, I would say, in my personal opinion. But Golden, he left that year. After that season was over, he went to Miami. So right. we got Coach Adazio had came, and Coach Adazio went straight on conventional style. He had starter and backup, so I didn't get as much playing time my last year as I did before. So as far as my hopes of going to the next level and continuing the progress I was making the year before, it kind of simmered down. So I went from having the best year that I had at Temple to really not doing it so much as I wanted to. So how did you deal with that? Like how, like how do you deal with that as as the student athlete? You know, and in terms of like football being your dream and your love at that time, like how do you, how do you handle that? Bro, it was like, it was like all my hope got zapped out of me. Like anybody that's close to me that know what I was, I went through a lot at that time. Like it was just thinking about transitioning to the real world. You know, I mean, you're dealing with your schoolwork, your major. I had a major where I had to do an internship, so I was doing an internship and um going to practice. I was just getting prepared for life outside of football because I wasn't sure if I was gonna go to the league or not. Like I didn't know. But I was so distraught, like, mentally. Like, I lost kind of, like, the love for it a little bit. So my senior year, I didn't even go to my pro day. I didn't do it. Like, I had a choice to either take off my internship or go to my pro day, and I went to the internship. Just That's because right. I didn't care no more. Like, I just wasn't with it. I'm like, yo, you – and when a new coach came, I asked him, can you switch me to safety, too, because I knew that's probably where I needed to be. He told me, no, like, he needed the depth where we was at. So he pretty much shut down my hopes even – try to transition into a position that will benefit me in the long run. So you talk about being a undersized linebacker, trying to get prepared to go to the NFL. What I'm doing this pro day for? Like I I just didn't have no hope for it. So I just didn't go. And then that was that. I feel like none of these stories are like public stories, man. And I think that's why I love doing it so much. Like your story is like hella interesting at this piece. You feel me like that? Everybody go through coaching changes. Like, you know, like I'm going through a coaching change. And though I played, he wasn't really in our corner. Mm-hmm. He wasn't for us, and he wanted to play his own guys. And, like, I have people sitting in his chairs all the time, like, your new coach was good money. And, you know, your experience is, no, he, he kind of took the love for football away from me. Yeah. And you got to deal with that, man. Mm-hmm. And, like, here you go, a senior in college, and you, like, already getting prepared. You kind of giving up on football. I'm getting prepared for life, man. I'm going to go to my internship instead of my pro day. Like, that's mad deep, bro. It was crazy because I'm like, yo, like, and I'll tell you about how we was beforehand. Like, when we had Golden, like, we was, our team was on the rise. We went to two bowl games. We was winning more games. We had more dudes going to the league than we ever had before. And that's what Golden got his opportunity from. He go to go to University of Miami. Well, I'm happy for him, but in my mind, I'm thinking like, damn, so what's next? Because this is the person who invested in me. This is the person who actually cared about me, put me on the field, gave me opportunity, and would tell me every day that I had the, everything I needed to go to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Now this other guy coming, he don't know nothing about me. You know what I'm saying? Ain't invested in me at all. You look at me care just like, you don't you. care nothing about me. And I'm like, that's crazy because I put in so much work that you don't even know about whether or not you impressed by it or not. It's a lot that took me to get here. 
And as a single man in this world, you can take it away from me just like that because it ain't what you want. And I'm like, damn. That's why I didn't. I'm like, yo, this ain't like this, this. I don't love this no more. If this can happen, this is what I got to look forward to. Like, I didn't know what to do with myself, honestly, bro. Man, you but like that's years and years of work you put in. Bro. Yeah, you talking my whole for, life. Frame for charges to temple. Oh, for once, since I was a little kid, in that moment, I said, I don't care. I don't want to do it no more. And it probably wasn't even worth it to you to probably transfer it as a senior. It was over. Yeah. I didn't even know that he was going to be who he was. I was optimistic about what we already put in. Because we won a bowl game that year with him. Yeah. But I think we won that because we already had our team was already solid. Like we was just already solid. Let's so just keep let's just keep it real. He rode the wave with us. Let's keep it, let's keep yeah. it real. He rode let's keep wave. it real. Big Mo and all them dudes was already there. Yeah. Nard was already there. Nard was there too. Like and yeah. a lot of them dudes, um, they left that year too. Nard left early. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Big Mo left early. I don't think a lot of people was really feeling the ball. This I don't want to quote everybody from Temple, so if they listening, I mean no disrespect, but the consensus, I don't think a lot of us was feeling the boy at all. Well, Dean, Dean definitely wasn't feeling nah, the Nah, I don't think nobody was. So That's crazy. It is what it is. But No, when you think about it in hindsight, you know, think about your college career, do you ever – I used to ask Jeff this all the time. Mm-hmm. Whit. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, Whit, you know, and Whit, and shout out to Whit because Whit made a great career. Got He got years to start, mm-hmm. and, you know, at one point Whit wasn't playing that much. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, man, Whit, you should just transfer to Bloom and you'd be a four-year starter. You know what I mean? But that's at the Division two level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at some point or another, I think we all just want to play. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have, like, do you ever battle with that in your mind? Like, I should have just played at Westchester or somewhere and got the opportunity on the field, and mm-hmm. then I, maybe I would have got a shot. Now that I'm older and more wiser, I wish I would have. Because when you were a kid, especially, like I said, growing up, where I grew up back, coming from where I come from, we didn't even have crazy internet access like that. We wasn't as socially aware as the world is now. Like, these kids now can have a crazy highlight and they game. Somebody recorded, they put on Instagram. They can get recruited like that off going viral. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So back then, all we knew was grind, go get it, the normal process of getting recruited. So all I knew was I wanted to go D1. That's how you go to the league. Dudes that go D2, D3, you don't go to the league from there, right? Right. Nobody told me you could. But now that I'm older, wiser, and watch it happen time after time, I'm thinking, like, what if I would have went to a smaller school played where I was supposed to play position-wise and just dominated. Somebody would have found me, and I could have still did the same thing that I did at Temple, which is no worse than what I would have did at a D2 school because I didn't go to the league. Right. But maybe I would have if I would have caught more rep in a D2 school, got more playing time, played longer, freshman year to senior year, played safety, did what I was supposed to do, and showcased more of my skills. So for me, playing undersized linebacker at D1, it was the experience was great for me. Network that I built at Temple, you know what I'm saying, the prestige that that school has was good for my life. But as far as football goes, I felt like I was always out of position and out of place. I got playing time. I did what I was supposed to do because I knew how to play football. But being a linebacker, I'm on the side. I'm dealing with dudes your size, 300 pounders, you know what I'm saying? I got to deal with them in the trenches. Like, I can't get off like I want to get off. But the fact that I got skill, I can get off enough where you see me on the field. Like, they probably had me listed on the roster at like 220, 218. I used to weigh in like 2.08. Soaking wet, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like get you ten pounds, right? You know what I'm saying? But I used to be out there though. The weight didn't matter because I'm making plays mm-hmm. in my position that I'm in. But I could have did way better if I was lying the way I was supposed to be. So a smaller school probably would have benefited me. But I don't really regret that. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. It, it, it seemed like you moved on from it, you know. It, yeah. Um, you know, just talk to me a little bit about life at the college, man. Well, this is where it get crazy because, like, I told you, I didn't go to my pro day. So 
I canceled that whole thing out. So football was done for me at that point. I gave up on it. I ain't have no hope to do it anymore. So I started working. I graduated with my degree in social work. You get what I'm saying? So my first job outside of college, I started working at a moving company that my godfather uh, worked at. He got me and my uh, brother a job there. and We were just making a couple of dollars for the summertime. And uh, that was it. We were summer help. And then after that, I didn't have a job for probably like four months. So, you know, my money was kind of running low. And then I ended up getting hired at Glen Mills. So I worked at the Mills for probably about a year. But um, I got up out of there because it just wasn't for me. You know what I mean? There was a lot of stuff going on there that I didn't fall in line with as far as how the kids was getting treated, the energy that was there. It was real negative a lot of times. Like, it was wearing me down mentally, draining me. And then, you know, they ended up letting me go for some stuff that I don't want to talk about on camera. But after that, that was a gut check for me because now I went back to the crib at my mom's house. I made a little money while I was working there, so I tried to save as much as I could, but I didn't have another job. You know what I'm saying? So you talk about months going by where you're not working to the point where I'm damn near broke now, right? So I'm applying for jobs. I got a college degree. Ain't nobody calling me back. Ain't nobody trying to hire me. I'm talking about Home Depot. Anything. If they give me anything, nobody trying to hire me. So I started... This is probably when I started getting to more of an entrepreneurial mind state because I started my own business, quote unquote. I was doing personal training and then like sports training, training dudes that play sports, training women that wanted to get in shape. Instagram was popping at this time. So it's Instagram had even had videos. So just take a picture, start a little workout page. And, you know, somebody might hit me up time to time, charging a couple of dollars to work out, like $20, nothing heavy. Um, and it was this one... Um, Lady, uh, Miss Keisha, she uh, she knew me since I was a kid. But her daughter played basketball. She wasn't even a teenager yet. So I started working her out. And she the one that kept me afloat most times. Like, she, she'll she give me, like, $100. I cut the price in half for her, like, $10 a session. She'll give me $100. I'll work her daughter 10 times. And she would just give me the 100 up front. I would take that $100, bro. I'd go to Atlantic City. And I'd try to flip it on the roulette table. Like, I'd try to turn 100 into 200 That's the only way I was making money. That's it. So it got to the point where that wasn't enough. You know what I'm saying? So now we just down. Like, I'm thinking like, damn, I'm like, you go from playing football your whole life, always elevating, always rising, always overcoming all kind of things. You in college now, you D1, full scholarship, room and board, food, living your best life. So now you back in the hood, you know what I'm saying? Sitting on the porch with your brother, mapping out master plans of how you're going to get rich, but ain't getting no money. You know what I'm saying? Getting high every day, like Craig and Smokey. I'm like, well, I'm on the block every day, like not doing nothing. It sounds like you out of place again. Like you said, you felt out of place again. I find my way back into the world. I'm like, damn, what do we do from here? I'm talking like we sitting out on the block sharing like platters from the Chinese store. We trying to go to get full wings, shrimp fried rice. I'm giving you two wings. I get two wings. You know what I'm saying? Share a couple watermelons. Like whatever we can get, we putting it to food and maybe getting some bud probably. You know what I'm saying? So we can figure out what we doing. We on the porch doing push-ups like training, you know what I mean? Just trying to figure it out to the point where it was like, I can't take it no more. Like I'm losing my mind. Like I'm my attitude worse than it ever been. You know what I'm saying? I'm going from being structured now. I'm back to my reality of something that I went away from. Talk about being back at Doherty and having a bad attitude, not being happy, playing with aggression, playing with anger. Now I'm back into the world with that same attitude now. I feel like I'm going backwards. Right. You get what I'm saying? So I had to make a decision. And my grandpa, you know what I mean? He lived in Texas at the time. And he knew what I was going through. And my mom, she reached out to him on some concern stuff about me because I was kind of lashing out. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I was going to do it. Like, I kicked out my mom's house. She kicked me out. Um, I don't even remember why. Like, my mom was just, she was just real hard on me. So, I guess it was kind of like teaching me a lesson type thing or trying to push me to 
do what I had to do. Because maybe she see me, she see me sinking. So she like, you know what? I ain't gonna catch you right now. Rub your back. I'm gonna put you out so you can go ahead and figure it out. Because this ain't gonna do it for you. Because right. you ain't motivated to do nothing. So, um, he was like, look, man, just come out here for a couple weeks. Get your mind right. So I initially went out there to kind of just kind of detox and unwind. And when I got out there, I got a job. I got hired at UPS working seasonally, work, making seven fifty an hour. That was better than what I had, so I stayed. And that's it from there for history. I, I never came back to um, Philly. Lived in Texas for a couple years. And um, my first year out there, I actually um, got invited to a, a combine. Because I did go to a regional combine. I didn't do my pro day, but that next year, mm-hmm. I went back and I did Temple's pro day. And I did um, a regional combine. And I guess whatever stats I put up, I didn't get picked up by no NFL teams, but a rugby league sent me an invitation to come try out for their league. They were trying to start a professional rugby league okay. in the United States. You know, we got the NFL, the NBA. They were trying to start a rugby league called the NRFL. You get what I'm saying? Okay. So it was going to be an inaugural league where they was going you know, find crossover athletes, basketball players, football players, wrestlers, anybody that could cross over to the sport. They invited people from all over to kind of come through this camp. Uh, it was in Minnesota. So I got the invitation, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. My homie played rugby at the time, so I invited him with me. He and we finessed him. I sent the email they sent me. I sent it to him. So we both used the code to sign up for it. So he went with me, gave me some game on how the game might work, taught me how to pass the ball a little bit. But going into that camp, I ain't know nothing about rugby. So I went in there, and I just did what I normally do. I ran a good 40, did a good bench, had a good vert. When we did the athletic drills on the field, I just did what I did. You know what I'm saying? When mm. it came to the rugby portion, they knew we ain't never played before, so they wasn't judging too much on that. But my athleticism kind of got me into the foresight of their vision of what they wanted. That's tough. Yo, the first thing I did, mind you, all this stuff is always premeditated. I went in there with a plan. I said, I got to get noticed because there's a lot of people here. What am I going to do to set myself apart? And they had us in different groups. And um, my group, first thing we did was the vertical leap. So... Everybody in the room, we in line, walking up to the jump. And then um, when I went to jump up, I hit everything on the rep. Everybody in the room, like, ooh. So the little scouts is in there, they, you know, they, and that was it for me right there. So everything I did after that, I had cheat code because I had the eyes on me already, so I just couldn't mess up at that point. Just don't mess up and you good. So after it was over, you know what I'm saying, I had a couple interviews, they were talking to me. So they pretty much was using me as, like, the face of the uh, – thing they were trying to start. Like, my interview came up on their website. Um, it was a guy out in Dallas that was a video media guy. They sent me to him a couple times to do interviews, talking about green screen type stuff. Like, they was just using me to kind of showcase whatever they had going on. And the fact that I did good at the little camp, I got invited over to overseas because there was some international scouts there, too. So outside of that league, it was other people there. So they sent me over to Europe, one, to learn how to play, and also to get a chance to maybe make that team over there. But I was just so raw. I don't think I had the skills to make that team, even though I still did good over there, but just not enough to do that. So after, you know, college football, I took another shot. I got a new spark on my fire to go play sports again, and that was rugby. And that took me over to Europe, and I played over there for a little bit. When I got back to the States, they linked me with USA Rugby. I had a tryout with USA Rugby. I could have had a chance to play in the Olympics when they put Rugby Sevens in the Olympics recently. Um... Because they, they knew I was raw, too. So they was like, yo, we like you. But what we want you to do is we want you to go to this development academy in Ohio to play summer rugby leagues to kind of get your skills right so we can get you prepared to come play with us. But you can't play with us right now because you don't really know the game all that well. You're too raw. Yeah. Dude. 
And this is one of my biggest regrets because I didn't go. I didn't go to Ohio because I told you, I just moved to Texas. I didn't have no money. They were telling me they was going to pay for all my training, but they wasn't going to pay for my room and board where I lived at. So I had to get a little job out there and I had to really chase that sport dream again. But I was already traumatized from the football thing. So my love for it was there, but it's a new sport. So I'm like, I'm just getting used to this. So I don't know if I want to shake my whole life up to chase after this again. So I never did it. And from then on, when I got back from Europe, that was the end of my rugby joint. So now I'm just living in Texas. Where you were at in Europe, though? I was in Bristol. So we, I went to a couple places over there. So I was in Bristol. I was in London. I was in Bath. I was in Wales. So we went to a couple different places. Look where sports took you, man. It's you, crazy, bro. From Frankfurt, bro. Yo, and bro, right, I was out there. I had that moment. Just like you just said, I'm looking out the window. Yo, I'm really over here. I'm walking outside. Cars on the other side of the street. Steering wheel on the right side of the car. I'm seeing double-decker buses. Like, the way I am now, like, I... I took a walk when I was out there one day. I had a day off, and I just went outside my little apartment. I just walked around, picked the landmark, remember where it was, and I just start walking, trying to remember everything that I seen so I can make my way back because I didn't know where I was at. Right. Just taking it all in. And I'm like, yo, I went from Frankfurt to Europe. Like, I swear I was about to make it. I thought I was about to be my life for a second. You know what I'm saying? I, was taking, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I'm like, this is it. I could do this. You know what I'm saying? So it was fun, though. It's, it's something I never forget. You seem like the type that'll go make a life and live in Europe, though. I could do it. You look like you could. Yeah, I wouldn't do Europe though, but I could do overseas for sure. No, that's that's super dope. I didn't even know all this stuff, man. Yeah. So you just, I'm all, yeah. you know what I mean, taking it all in. That's super tough, man. Yeah. You said you regretted not going to Ohio. Mm-hmm. You don't think you could have found a job out there and still pursue rugby? I think I could have did everything. I was just, at that time, like I told you, my mind was messed up because of what I experienced at Temple. So I wasn't willing to sacrifice my life again for sports. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I, I, I made a transition. I moved to a new state. This is probably what I need to be focusing on right now is getting my life together, right. bringing money in, adding stability, trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This new rugby thing, it could work, but I never did rugby before. Am I good at it? I could play. I'm learning that I can do it because I've done it. I just came back from Europe. Like, I played with professionals. I actually did really good. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was in a game. Like, I carried the ball. I did everything I was supposed to do. Like, but they liked me over there too. So I could do it. But I guess I wasn't, I mean, my will wasn't strong enough. I didn't really feel like dedicating a large portion of my life again to that and setting me back in my own personal development because I'm 24 at this time. Grown man, like, I can't, I got no time to keep playing around. I know dudes that chase sport dreams and they didn't get them nowhere. So I'm like, do I want to do that or do I want to do this? That's it. You just stumbled into exactly what I was about to ask you, man. Like, how do you feel about dudes that really chase football, basketball, like, Mad far, you know, do you admire it or do you think it's stupid? Like, you know? I admire it. I mean, we all men at the end of the day. I ain't in a position to judge nobody. That's one way I live my life. I don't tell another man what to do. Like, if it's my young boys, my cousins, somebody in my family, I'll advise you to what I think, but I'll never tell you what to do. If that's what your heart say you want to do, go do it because I don't want you to have no regret. I'm telling you, I got regrets because I didn't do that. So if that's what you feel like you need to do, do it. Just when that time comes where it wastes your time, just don't blame nobody. Don't complain. Just kind of eat it and keep it pushing. But if that's what you want to do right now, go ahead. Take it. And it's crazy. You know, I played Division two, So, yeah. like, you know, a lot of guys obviously didn't make it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and that's a big part of, like, who we are now is that we didn't make it. And you got to go do other things with your life and start living life. But there was a lot of guys who tried to do Arena, Arena 2, Semi-Pro. Mm-hmm. Come, Lou, come do this league with me. And I'm just like... 
I'm about to get on this life stuff. Like, I'm trying to get to, like, how I'm going to be living, lifestyle, career. You know what I mean? I was already there. Yo, that's crazy you say that because I actually did. I signed a week contract with the soul at one point. And that's when I realized it was for me. No, I ain't having no more. I didn't have the what you, what you mean you signed a week-long contract? Because I met some guy that was working with the Philadelphia Soul. And, you know, conversations led me to, you know, coming in there. I'm talking about I'm in there. They sized me for my pads and everything. I'm at practice and trying to get prepared to go ahead and do the whole. That's the year after they won the championship. I was at their championship game just watching. Like, that's when I was in the prospect to get with them. And I'm out there practicing. I'm thinking, like, this is different. Like, this is a different kind of football. Like, I said, did I get that far removed where I go from playing football, football, to now I'm, like, in arena, not even the full roster of people. I'm playing this position where I can't even – I guess it's a whole other game. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. I just didn't want to do it. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't want to do it. So you you just really sound like you outgrew sports, I man. I did. I really did. And even if I if the league could call me right now and say, yo, like, what's up? Honestly, realistically speaking, if they offer me money to come play, I'll probably take the bag, but I don't think I would be able to do it for real. Physically, you know what I'm saying? I'm not in the shape I was in before, like, to, to withstand injuries. I'll probably get hurt. Being a, you know what I'm saying? Being a boy, like, I'll probably go for the money, but I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have any passion in even doing I wouldn't want to even go to the league right now, honestly. Outside of just a financial game. You you know what I'm getting, I'm picking up on, man, is that you in, like, a whole other space, and yeah. I really want to talk about this space. Yeah. So just talk a little bit about the space you in where you're not driven by them things anymore. Nah, my life. My whole world changed, man, when I moved to Texas because I'm born and raised in Philly my whole life. You know what I'm saying? I always had my family around. I ain't saying that I'm the go-to guy in my family, but my presence is felt when I'm around in my family. It's like being a man. Like, it's certain things I got to do, people I'm responsible for, things that without me doing them might not get done, conversations that I got to have or just things that I need to be there to help out with. So I always was spread thin when I was home, never really had time for myself. Never had peace of mind. Like, I was always spread thin. I was always upset, angry, stressed out, and just tired, exhausted from life. Because that's what Philly do to you. You know what I mean? Philly is, I love Philly to death because it gave me everything I need to dominate in the world. But people don't understand how hard it is out here. Like, it's it's rough, like, on you as a, as a man, for real, for real. I, I ain't a woman, so I don't know how it is for a woman. But I can just imagine just everybody got something that they're going through. So when I went to Texas, that was my first time really being by myself that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was solely responsible for myself. Like, I had my grandfather out there, but he was more so, like, somebody I looked to for guidance. He used to give me game, but he never gave me nothing else. Never gave me a dollar. You know what I'm saying? He just provided a platform for me to come land on so I can get my life together. So my plan out there was strictly about myself. I'm like, yo, I got to take this opportunity and maximize it because it ain't no going back. A lot of people don't understand that I didn't come out here because I was ambitious. You know what I'm saying? Cause I wanted to do better. I'm like, yo, I had to come out here because where I was at was so bad. Like I was going through a lot of shit. So, you know what I mean? I'm here now to make something happen. Cause if I don't, I'm disappointing my mom, my family. I could be there helping them. But the fact that I'm leaving them, I got to come back with something, you know what I mean? To show for it. So I took time and really had to learn who I was. I discovered myself all over again. Like I reinvented myself. That's when I started diving into my creativity. You know what I'm saying? I was always a, a artistic young boy. Like, Never really drawing crazy good pictures, but like I would doodle in my notebooks in class while the teacher talking. You know what I'm saying? Like high school, I write my number on for every page. You see my page scribble 32s over everything because I'm just not paying attention. My mind is always somewhere Mm -hmm. different. So when I got to tap into who I was as a person is when I started to find out where it was that I was going. Started meditating more, 
started writing more, started drawing more. I started to actually design the life that I wanted to live for myself. I didn't have nobody else controlling me, nobody else telling me what to do. I had to be nowhere except for where I wanted to be. You get what I'm saying? So that's where I leveled up at. So right now, people look at me and they, they meet me in the world and I tell them about my past or where I come from and they almost took him back by it. Like, they might think I'm some type of square or some type of kid that grew up in the birds because what my intellect probably went to or how I carry myself now, how I speak, but they don't know nothing about my tribulations, you know what I'm saying? The story that I got behind me. So that's kind of weird to me still to this day, but that's when I learned that you aren't really what your story say you are. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of dudes, I see them in the world. Even when I come back to Philly sometimes, it always crack me up because I feel like Philly got a stigma. It's dudes that act like Philly boys. You know what I'm saying? You carry yourself away because, not even because <laughs> you're that way, but it's just because you feel like you need to be. You right. know what I mean? So even if that's not you, you don't you only want to be yourself. You want to be the hardest boy in the world. You know what I'm saying? You want to show everybody you tough because you feel like that makes you feel weaker if you're not doing that. Right. You, don't like, you don't know how to let nobody just have it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody always got to prove themselves. That's why everybody get killed. Like, it's all kind of crazy stuff going on. It's a bunch of nonsense. So me moving away to a new place, I got to see the world from a whole different lens. You know what I'm saying? Where I like, yo, I don't got to be nothing but who I am. And who I was ain't who I am now. So why act like that? Why come out here in Texas and show everybody I'm from Philly? I don't got to do that. I'm Quentin. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm from Philly, but you'll learn that if you get to know me. But right now, I'm going to show you who this man is in front of you. Conversations create checks and opportunities. I had to navigate myself through that new world. I don't know nobody. You get what I'm saying? So I got to meet new people. I get the chance to build my circle now. You not attached to me from the time I was six. So I don't got to just have you around because I knew you. If I don't like your energy, if I don't like your vibe, I don't need to deal with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? I can just say nice to meet you and keep it going. But if I meet a genuine person, oh, what's up, Lou? Oh, you about this, you about that. Oh, we should connect. You know what I'm saying? And I built my network that way. And that's just how I've been moving through the world ever since then. So I did my time out there, met a couple of people, got my money right, and um, found my purpose. And then, you know, I got up out of there. And now I'm on the verge, on a journey to kind of be financially free. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get out of the rat race, try to live a more independent, free lifestyle where I'm not confined by like a corporate structure. I don't want to work for nobody for the rest of my life. So every day is just another opportunity for me to get closer to that. It's not a time frame I put on it. It don't look like anything for me. Like people ask me what my goal in life is, and I always tell them it's to elevate my chill. That's all it is. I don't know what that looks like, though. So to elevate my chill? Elevate my chill. I like to chill. I like to chill. My perfect day is me sitting home, my feet up, doing what I want to do. That's my chill. So if my chill started off with me being in Frankfurt, it wasn't that chill. You know what I'm saying? It was rough. It was hostile. It was, you know what I'm saying? I ain't had no money, but I always progress. You know what I'm saying? We use the word momentum. It's all about building good momentum. You know what I'm saying? As long as you're moving, it's good. Whether not it's slow, whether not it's fast, as long as you're moving forward, you're going in the right direction. So I'm trying to build the momentum each year that I'm alive. You get what I'm saying? So to the point where one day it's going to start rolling fast. Right. You know what I'm saying? Then that's where, I, where I'm where I want to be at that point. So my goal is to always elevate my chill. Right now, I stay by myself. This is the first time I ever lived in my life where I had my own place. You get what I'm saying? To me, that's elevating my chill. That's a win. I always had a roommate. I always lived with my family, my mom, my aunt. Stayed in her basement. You know what I'm saying? It's always been something that I had to endure to level up. And every year of my life, I leveled up a little bit more each time. So next after this, it's like, okay, I live in my own place right now. It's an apartment. But I'm going to elevate my chill now by me getting a house or something. You get what I'm saying? I'm going to elevate my chill now because now I got a little bit more money. I can do something different. Like I want to just make my life look different. And that's just about what makes me happy. It ain't about 
I need to look like I need to work this job so I can press this press this person. It's just about what I want to do every day. I just no. want to be happy every day. No, you just, first of all, you just got real crazy with the game. I hope y'all cur all this game. <laughs> man. My man, game just came pouring out as pores. You know what I mean? Eric just hey. spent all this game. Man. I, I love hearing all that, bro. That was amazing. But take me back to you, you said a lot of things we got to tap into. I'm not going to let you skate over them. You found, right, your, you found your purpose. Yeah. And, you know, you said you moved down there and you was working at UPS first? My first job, yeah. And then probably, you know, I want to hear what's the, what's the tracks and steps after that. So what, what, what you said you found your purpose. Tell me what was the purpose. Okay. Like I told you, that first year, I was in Dallas is when I got um, invited out to that rugby uh, combine. It was in Minnesota. So everything that happened before that was the whole work thing. I was probably out there in Texas for maybe, I would say, half a year before the opportunity came. I worked at UPS, seasonal help. It was around November Christmas time, so I was an extra driver help. I was on the truck with the driver, dropping packages off at people's doors. When Christmas time was over, they laid me off. That's all I was there for. Um, where I lived at, I used to go shopping at the Sam's Club. So one time I was shopping at Sam's, and I asked them what they hiring. So one of the managers in there, she, she got me an interview, and they asked me, like, you want to be a cashier or you want to push carts? So I said, all right, well, I don't want to be a cashier because, first of all, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't even want to work here. You know what I'm saying? I just need a job. So the less people I got to deal with, the better. So I'd rather push carts. So I was outside pushing carts, you know what I'm saying, from, like, maybe December to probably, like, through March. Bro, do you understand? Like, this, yo, something is crazy because I got, like, some of the stories, like, things that are mad humbling. Yeah. We are college-educated people. Yeah. We are student athletes. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? We played Division One football, bro. You've been football has taken you all across the United States, mm-hmm. won bowl games and got rings and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And the most we out of state in Texas, mm-hmm. UPS, mm-hmm. Sam Club. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff like this should build humility. Dog, I'm Real telling talk. you. Real I'm talk. telling you, because I got I got some of these times of going, got a bachelor's degree, can't find work for five or six months. Yeah. You know what I mean? So go ahead. Let's go ahead and say your story. This is crazy. Yeah, it's a testimony. Like it's, it's literally one of them situations where like a lot of people they com- they complain because they ain't where they at. Me, it's like I could complain right now, but in reality, that ain't gonna change what's going on right now. I'm here. Like I need money. I'm all about the money right now. None of this other stuff matters to me. Like I don't feel like I'm lesser than anybody because I'm doing this. You can say whatever you want about what I'm doing, but I'm making some money. I went from making 750 UPS to getting 825. At Sam, you get what I'm saying? I'm, I'm up right now. I'm getting better. I feel like in my mind, it ain't up to par where I want to be, but it's better. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting there. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I left Sam. I quit because I'm in Texas. My first time being in Texas. I got that job probably at the beginning of the year. It's wintertime. It ain't like Philly winter, but it's winter. So it's chilly. It's cool. I can do this. I can be outside pushing carts. I heard about Texas. Summertime, when it get hot outside, you get 100 degrees consistently. Somebody told me that. I heard it more than enough times that I needed to hear. So I'm like, you know what? It's time for me to get up out of here. Cause I'm human. I'm humble, mm-hmm. but I ain't that humble. I ain't about to be out here pushing carts in 100 degrees right. for eight dollars. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? You got me chopped. You know what I mean? I ain't with it. But uh, so I ended up uh, meeting this girl, and um, she she plugged me in at LA Fitness. So I started working at LA Fitness, and I was doing like personal training sales. So to me, that was a step up. That was elevating my chill. Right. And I got a free membership to a gym. I'm in the air conditioner, and I'm making a couple of dollars still. Yo, this perspective is crazy. Crazy, bro. right? So I'm in there working out free. You know what I mean? I really was there just to work out. I made a couple of dollars here and there, but I wasn't going to get rich in there. So I'm just 
for stability still. I'm still working my course. So I'm just like, I'm here until I'm not here. It was crazy because my manager that I worked with in there, he was he was one of them boys. He was, I don't know, he was different. But um, he used to talk to me openly. And I remember he was telling me that he just took this interview for this little job that was across the street at this call center or whatever. I'm like, Where, what job is what they got you doing? He said, I just interviewed for it. It's this, it's this, and that. I'm like, why? What's the name of it? He told me. So I went and applied for it. So I went and got my interview, and I ended up getting hired. He didn't get hired. I got hired. So I did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, damn. So I went uh, to the job, and I worked at the call center. And I, that was the most money I was making in Texas. I was making like $15 an hour working here. So I was lit. That wasn't my ideal job because I don't like to talk to people. So me calling people on the phone and all that, getting hung up on, having to talk to somebody that don't. <laughs> I ain't really was into that, but I was doing. I was on autopilot, just trying to get the money or whatever. But um, I quit that job because that's when the rugby opportunity came. Mm-hmm. And I asked for a leave of absence so I can go do this. They told me I couldn't do it. They wasn't going to give me a leave of absence to go to Europe. So I quit and went to Europe. And then um, after I got back from Europe, it was a guy that I met at, at Sam's Club. He was an older guy. He was one of them dudes that... uh. He probably worked in corporate America. He said he was making like over 300K a year at one point. Hmm. But he married wrong. You know what I'm saying? So he had a woman that used it for his bread. They got divorced. She took everything from him. So now he's working at Sam's Club, pushing carts with me. But he used to give me all kind of game. And he used to talk to me. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my man. <laughs> good dude. Bro, good I dude, can't, bro. like, you sort of talk fast. I don't want to gloss over nothing in this interview, <laughs> man. My man said, at one point, you work in corporate America, you yeah. making 300K a year. Bro. <laughs> you, know he told wrong. Me, you know he told me? He told me some real time. He said, bro, he was white, older white guy. He was like, he said, listen, man, if I made 300K a year, my wife spent 400. Well, you know what I heard recently from my older gentleman? You need to lie to your wife and tell her what you make. Don't tell her what you make. Honestly, no, I think he was kind of one of them boys that was like the... And this ain't this ain't to say that this makes you less of a man or not, but you know how some dudes have a way with women where women is not an issue. You can get women. Yeah. And you have other dudes that come up on a situation where they're happy and they want to hold on to it because they don't know when they're gonna get something like that again. Yeah. I think he one of them dudes that kind of had this woman and he just tried to give her everything that she wanted to keep her around and she was just using it. Mm. He's a real good dude, but he just like I said, he picked the wrong one. And um he uh he ended up taking a job at this extra space storage. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a storage, self-storage place. Yeah. And he was a manager. He had a lot of experience. So when he must have got that job, he was an assistant. But he got promoted to like a, a store manager, property manager, like real fast. So when I had came back from Europe, I forgot how me and him got back into communication. But he was telling me like, yo, I just got promoted to this, my own property. They're going to have a spot open that I'm leaving right now. I could plug you in. So I ended up taking his spot as, as assistant manager at this self-storage place. And that's the job I worked. I worked there for probably like two years almost. I used that job to transfer me to Atlanta. That's how I moved to Atlanta because we had plans to do some big things in Atlanta outside of work. But I needed the job to get out there, make my transition smooth because I didn't want to be out there with zero dollars coming in. So I used that job to get there. And that's where the story kept kept going from. All right. So <laughs> so you just put in a transfer. Yeah. I lied though. I lied to him because I didn't want them to deny my transfer. So I told him that I was having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. Hey, it was, listen, it was, listen, it was listen, do or die. Listen, listen to the worldliness. You know, you you moved you moved you moved to Texas yeah. out of like you know life is rough. You know, trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Don't want to lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You went out there. You moved there with nothing outside of knowing your grandpa. Yeah. Look at all the worldliness. I got to put a transfer in. I got to move with yeah. a job. I got to move somewhere where I'm going to have somewhere to stay at. 
you elevated your I chill. Up. I elevated my chill. Like, yeah. Lord, like, I learned a lot of stuff. My grandpa, he gave me a lot of game about life. Like, he put me on. I ain't had no credit when I got out of school. I'm 24 years old with no credit history because I never had to. I didn't have no debt. I didn't have I had a scholarship. You know what I'm saying? So I'm starting fresh with my credit. I'm building my credit up to the point where my credit is, is where it needs to be. I'm saving my money. And I got a little bit of bills to pay now, but I'm making money. So I'm budgeting. You know what I'm saying? I wrote a, made a budget. That's why I said I dove deep into myself where I realized what it takes for me to be successful. Mm. I don't need to follow somebody else's game plan. I know this is working for me right now. So I'm going to keep this momentum going and do what's working for me. I'm saving money the way I know how to save it. It ain't the best, most, you know what I mean? Mm. Legit way to do it. But maybe I'm just, I know for a fact that I get paid this every month. So as long as my account is going up, I think I'm saving money. And I'm seeing it go up, so I think it's okay. Everything is well. I'm not gonna change nothing. Why change the formula if it's working? So, so you said that you had uh, plans. You had plans of going to Atlanta, of doing business in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, what, were, what were those plans? Well, my, my brother Ty, Ty here, Whitehead. Um, shout out to Ty. He um, played football with me at Temple. So right after school, you know my story. What I ended up getting into after college, he got drafted right after school, went to the league, fourth round, and. Um, you know, he started making moves for himself, leveling himself up. You know, he's making money. He's doing good on the field. Got his family. You know what I'm saying? He's doing what he's supposed to do. And we all stay in communication, me and my brother, Dom. Um, and we always just have conversations about, like, leveling up, getting money, what we're going to do with life. Like, it's more to life than what we're doing right now. Ty already at the, at the mountaintop. You know what I'm saying? So he's just giving game about, you know what I mean, things that's possible. And we always talk about business and money moves. And he was like, yo, I'm moving to Atlanta. Ty was like, he moving to Atlanta. My brother Don was living in South Carolina. I'm in Texas, so everybody spread out. So we like, all right, well, these plans that we're talking about, first thing we talked about was getting into the trucking industry, you know what I'm saying? Buying trucks and we put them on the road, making money off of it. You know what I mean? So we just was like politicking about a bunch of different ideas to the point where he's like, he's like, yo, you need to move out here. I'm like, Shh, I don't know. Like my car had just uh broke down on me, like my engine fell. Like, you know what I'm saying? I had to replace my whole engine on my car. So I'm like, either I'm gonna do that. Well, I'm going to buy a new car. And I told him, I'm about to buy a new car. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to move. He's like, look, man, don't buy no car. And this is real talk. You know what I'm saying? Ty, love it. I love him to death. You know what I'm saying? Because he motivated me to do something that I, I was hesitant to do. Because I was thinking about myself and not about the bigger picture. I told you, I'm leveling up. My routine is going well for me. I think that's yeah. good. You know what I'm saying? So he like, look, don't worry about the car. You come out here. I just moved out there to my house, still getting put together. But. You can come out here, you can stay at the crib while I'm there, look out for the crib because I got people coming in and out of there doing work so you can hold me down right there. I got an extra car, you know what I'm saying, that you can drive until, you know what I'm saying, it's time for you to go do what you got to do. So I'm like, all right, bet. So I knew at that time I had X amount of time to get right. So I had time to fall into place in Atlanta. I had my job that transferred me out there so my money was coming in. I ain't had to pay no rent because I was staying at somebody else's house and I didn't need a car at the moment because I have a vehicle so I didn't even have to get my car fixed. I didn't have to pay for nothing except for the stuff that I was responsible for. And I stayed in this crib for probably like throughout the football season. So probably from uh, September to December is when he came back. So when they came back in December, I already was ready to get into my apartment and I moved right out. You know what I'm saying? So I got I got rolling after that. But without him doing that for me, I probably wouldn't have did it. I wouldn't have came. Because you would have bought a car. I, I, I would have just, I had too much stuff going on. I wouldn't have been able to move out there and get an apartment and get a car like that's financially irresponsible for me right now because 
my money, I got something saved, but it ain't like that. You know what I'm saying? So mm. I got to still make sure I ain't messing up my momentum. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's good right now. If I go there, that shakes everything up. Mm. If I move out there and don't have a job, you know, you can move at the crib and you can look for a job while you're here. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go out there looking for a job. That's not how I'm trying to live right now. I've been unemployed before. I'm not chasing no dream of being broke again. You know what I'm saying? Right. What if I don't find one? What if you come back and I ain't in position right now? Do I got to go get an apartment now? They're broke with no, like it don't it don't sound right to me, so I'm not doing mm-hmm. it. But that's when I thought about that plan about my job and transfer. That's why I told him I had the baby coming and all that. <laughs> I ain't had no time to play. I'm like, I need you to transfer me out there. Like, it's no other way to get around this. I'm going to Atlanta. I want to go, but only way I can go is if you give me the job because I know we got locations out there. Transfer me over there. If I tell you I just want to go and chase my dreams, you might say no. <laughs> you got a heart, right? So tell me, I got a kid. Let me go be a good person. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I went Academy Award for that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm being serious. Shout out to Space, man. Bro. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. Bro, first of all, that lie is crazy. Yeah, listen, that was the only one I could think. I said, you know what? You can't deny that. <laughs> I was trying to figure out something you couldn't say no to. And my, my district manager was a woman. So I'm like, all right. Yeah, how long did it take you to get transferred, though? It ain't take long enough. That's, like a, that's, a, that's hilarious, yeah. man. Um, so you you on your feet and you in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, how how was that? You know what I mean? Did you, how long did you stay at that job? You still at that job? No, nah, I stayed there for a couple months. But like I said, we came out there for bigger things. So we was moving in alignment with my job, but I also was moving parallel with all the other stuff too. So it was just I go to work during the day. When I'm off work, we only talking about our moves. We ain't talking about work. So we was getting into the trucking thing. So the plan was for me to go ahead and get the uh, CDL because our first truck, I was going to drive it. You know what I'm saying? We was going to invest in it. I was going to drive it until we got more experience with the business to we hire somebody that was more responsible so we can trust them. So I was going I was going to just take the lead, you know what I'm saying, on it and, and get it popping. But I went to CDL school. So I quit my job to go to the CDL school. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to quit. I'm going to get the CDL. I'm going to start driving trucks. But the CDL school is a little harder than I thought. I learned how to drive the truck for real, but... The pre-trip inspection killed me because when it came to test time, you know, you got to do three parts of the test. You got to do a pre-trip inspection. You got to do parking maneuvers. Then you do the road test. I knew how to park the John. I knew how to drive it. Pre-trip is when the instructor walks around that truck with you. Mm-hmm. You got to tell it where every part of mechanical function on that truck is and what it do. So much, so much stuff. And I, I, I missed a lot of different things. So she failed me. So it was either take the test again. But if you fail again, then the schools only give you the truck twice. To use for the test. So if I failed it twice, I would have to pay like five hundred dollars to rent that truck again. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna go back and take this test again until I know that because I don't want to risk failing it again. More story, I just never went back to do it. I didn't want to do it no more. Is is the is, is was the is the business still the goal? Like the trucking business? You know, it so, might be, but it's that my mission to do it is not the same. We do it, somebody else might do it. I don't want to do it no more. So I left. Um, my job, so at that point, I had no job, but like I said, conversations create checks and opportunities. When I worked at the storage place, I had a guy, um, name was Gary. He was a, he worked at a pest control company, you know what I'm saying? So he came in one day, and I used to always lock my dumpster on my property because I had people putting stuff in there that wasn't supposed to go in there. So he came in and asked me, can I unlock it for him to go take throw some stuff away? So I went and unlocked it for him, and he came over with these boxes of, like, books and stuff, and he was asking me that I want anything out of the box because he was throwing it away because... His wife had passed away. 
but it was her stuff. And he, you know, emotionally distraught. So he just like, you know, I can't look at it no more. He he started breaking down. So me being a professional at my work, I'm trying to like soothe him. Like, oh shit, I didn't know this was about to happen. I'm trying to make sure he keep it together. And um, we developed a relationship from that moment. So he'll come in, pay his bill. We chop it up and talk. I remember I got his business card one day. So when I left the trucking school, I had his card in my little Rolodex on my counter. And I just took him a message like, yo, y'all hire He got me hired in like three days. Really? Yeah. Like he was like, yeah, I'm going to send me your resume and go fill out the application. And I did it. I got an interview probably like two days later. At the interview, they asked me when I could start. It was a Friday. I told them I could start Monday. I started working on Monday doing pest control. And I've been doing that the last three years. That's what I do to this day as far as work-wise. Yeah, man. So let's just get into like who you are now, man. Your journey crazy, yeah, bro. Yeah. I'm, 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 I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. Yeah. Um, you know, but who are you now? I'm like a a spawn of Yoda. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> real talk, man. That might like, been the best answer to that question I ever heard on like, the show. Real talk, but that's who I am, man. I'm like I operate from the inside out now. You know what I'm saying? So you talk about being creative, like. That's my world I live in. Like, working to me is like autopilot. I mean, I, mean I, I take pride in what I do work-wise. So if I tell people I'm a pest control technician, I kill bugs. You know what I'm saying? People look at that like, oh, ew, that's nasty. Well, I would never do nothing like that. Or somebody that don't know much about it, I might not even be appealing to them as far as women-wise. Women might not want to date a guy. You need to be an NBA player. You need to be a corporate CEO. So I don't know. But I make good money doing pest control. You know what I'm saying? I make over 60, 50K. You know what I'm saying? To kill bugs. And I work by myself every day. I get peace of mind from that job. So I do that to make my money. Well, as soon as I get off work, bro, I'm in the whole full creation mode. You know what I'm saying? I got a brand. My brand that I'm I'm creating is, um, well, the umbrella scheme of things. We call ourselves the Pride, me and my squad. Shout out to the Pride. And um, it's short for Pride Universal. You know what I'm saying? A Pride is a family alliance. You know what I'm saying? So we carry that lion spirit. Um, the motto is no sheep, you know what I'm saying? Be a lion, not a sheep, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like I feel like that I heard that that lingo from Dean at Temple, but yeah, that's what we Temple Temple definitely fed us that for real for real. And I just took it because it became part of my life. Like Temple made me a man, so it's a lot of things I carried from that. But um Pride Universal is just me and my squad and it's us recognizing our connection to all things. It's more so a universal type of connection with the world. So Pride Universal, we got different umbrellas that we have underneath of that. But I'm in control of, you know what I mean, prior arts and then also, you know, what we're doing real estate-wise. So the art portion is really my baby, you know what I'm saying? So I draw, I paint, and I write poetry. Um, my poetry brand, I call it the universe of me, right? Because I feel like deep down inside of us all, it's a universe inside of each of us, you know what I'm saying? We full of life, we connected to the universe, you know what I'm saying? And meditation gives me that philosophy that when I close my eyes and I meditate, it kind of feels like I'm a bird flying through my body, you know what I'm saying? And I'm responsible for this world that's inside of me because at one point it was cold. It ain't had no sun. There was no life there. It was miserable. It was hard. And that's where I got the idea to start my universe. You get what I'm saying? So I started creating my characters. So I created superheroes based after all my friends. The first one I created was myself, my character. You know what I'm saying? I created him based off my philosophy of what he did for me. Like he saved my world inside of me. You get what I'm saying? So from then on, I just got so many ideas that pan from that where I created my superhero and uh, developing a story right now because I'm writing a book. You get what I'm saying? The book is about the prize. It's a fictional story about characters based off real life people, which is my friends. And it's telling us about our journey throughout this world, how we met, you know what I'm saying, in high school and how we did what we did to kind of become close. And then how the main character, he's, 
you know, recognize his connection with God and God is sending him on a mission to save the whole universe. You know what I'm saying? I can go deep about the whole book, but oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's just part that's of my art. Yeah. Yeah. That's who I am now. I'm a creator. Like I just like to create. I like to take everything that's inside of me and I, you know, pour it out any way I possibly can, whether or not it's art, whether or not it's verbal with poetry or, you know, I'm even writing a book that one day somebody gets a chance to read and just understand more about who I am. So peace of mind, you know what I mean? That's, that's all I'm about right now. Just, just cause you know, like I, 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 I indulge in the creative side too. Mm-hmm. You know? When I was a kid, I used to draw. I used to make my own characters. Yeah. You talk about playing the game, making your own characters, making you know, yeah. like I always wanted to customize everything I did. Right. Like if I can't make it my own, I kind of didn't want it. Right. Um. Just talk about like you know, cause I felt like when I was an athlete, or like you said, a lot of things that I believe in, like being from Philly, always had to be tough. Mm-hmm. Always had to be in your grizz, you know, um, being a football player, being a bigger football player. I felt like I had to carry that same thing. Um, I wasn't really expressive in my creative side because right. I was a football player first. I was from South Philly second. You know what I mean? And I that part of me was dormant. Mm-hmm. Just talk about what it means to, like, be creative and be expressive with it and not it. You know, during them hard times at Frankfurt, you wasn't always drawing. You wasn't mm-hmm. always painting. You right. know what I mean? Talk about being able to let that out right now. And I, I give all the credit to um to my brother, my brother Don. Love you, bro. He um we always talk, you know what I mean? I always was doing my art and stuff, but I would never share it with nobody. It was just for me, you know what I'm saying? It was my way to kind of vent, you know what I mean? I would write poetry because I ain't nobody to talk to about a lot of different things. So I'll write it down and get it out. I'll listen to it to kind of make myself reflect on what I've been through. It was my way of like releasing it, mm-hmm. getting the weight off of me. And then he oh, we always talk about, you know what I'm saying, leveling up in the world and commercialized society, you know what I'm saying, what people think about as beauty, if you're an attractive person, you know what I'm saying, if you got a commercial look to you, he always like, yo, bro, he always call me a black butterfly, that's what he called me, right, <laughs> so he like, yo, he like, man, he said, man, you commercial, man, like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta start, you know what I'm saying, using that to your advantage, man, start, like, showing people what you all about, like, share yourself with the world, and then, you know, we on social media, so I'm like, you know what, at this point, I really don't care what nobody think about me, I'm not trying to impress people, I am who I am at this point, so I'm free, so, I just slowly started to manifest my social media into something that gravitated like minds to myself. I developed a purpose for it. It wasn't just no random post a picture of this here, post a picture of this here. It's like an online resume. You know what I'm saying? If you come to here, this is like you stepping into my world. When you come here, I want you to see what I am. And what I am is a creative person. So I don't care if you know about what goes in my personal life, but when you come here, I want you to see this. I want you to know that I draw. I want you to know that I write. You know what I'm saying? I want you to know everything that I have to offer because if I can make some money, this is where you can reach me at. My contact information is here. My talents is here. My skills is here on full display. Why well, keep it to myself? You know what I'm saying? When it's grown beyond that. You know what I'm saying? I was doing it for myself to develop the talent and the skill, but now I feel like I'm at a point where I'm good at it. I want to show it to people. I want people to see it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't care what you think about it because you might not like it, but it's somebody that does. You know what I'm right. saying? So that's when I decided to start sharing it because I got motivated by you know, me and my brother, and then I just realistically start thinking about what it takes to level up. You know what I'm saying? Elevate your chill. You have to start stepping outside of your boundaries. You know what I'm saying? We in the boundary right now, but <laughs> I have to get out of that chill. Yeah, man. that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> you know Plug that. You know, uh, I like that, man. So just talk about some of the things you got going on right now. Okay, well, outside of, you know, I mean, art, like I told you, I'm writing my book. Um, I'm developing all my characters. So I'm in a real, like, creation mode right now. Like, um, this is where I kind of get real deep. Like this time of the year for me, and this takes it all the way back to the beginning. It's all like a perfect segue because 
we talk about being a kid playing football for the Franklin Chargers, right? All the way up until graduating from Temple. You've been a football player, right? When do you play football? You play football from August to December. Man. It's fall. the fall, yeah. right? Ever since I stopped playing football, bro, it's like we naturally wired. Like this time of year, I love football. I still watch the Eagles every week. You know what I'm saying? It's still a part of who I am. But the fact that I don't do it now, you're talking about years of your life where you was had the most intense focus ever, getting prepared for games. You got meetings. You practicing. You giving everything you got to the sport, right? Now that that sport is gone, what do you do with all that? passion with all that fury that's inside of you it's like i had to figure out what that meant so instead of ignoring that i realized that that stuff is still there so i have to channel that energy and it's time to focus on myself so what i call it is my fall into winter you get what i'm saying because you have to fall winter spring summer so i fall into winter and my philosophy after that is spring into the summer it's a momentum play on words because during the winter time i really fall deep inside myself i self-reflect I look about, I look where I came from this year, the progression I made, and where my flaws still are, right? And then from this time, September to December, is when I'm focusing on fixing those flaws that I identify as best as I can. I meditate on them. I figure out where I've been wrong at them, where I've been right at them. I look at everything from every angle possible, unbiased, you know what I'm saying? And I try to fix myself. I try to heal myself. I try to get myself prepared for what's coming next because my birthday is in February. So that winter time is when I'm like from December to my birthday is when I'm kind of like practicing with my new powers. You get what I'm saying? It's like I harness my powers through the fall to figure out which ones need to be let go, which ones need to be developed, you know what I'm saying? And which new ones that I have now. And when I get into New Year, everybody celebrate. Happy New Year. We party. I party and I celebrate too because I'm successful now because I just made it through my fall. I feel good right now. My energy is pure. Like I have nothing that I'm sad about i have nothing that i'm holding weight on i made peace with everything that was holding me back or everything i need to be better going forward celebrate and throughout that winter time up until my birthday i'm just practicing with my new skills and my new powers to figure out how i'm going to utilize them for this year that's coming and then when the spring comes i'm springing into summer because you know when you come out the tunnel in football you know you got your team y'all jumping up and down y'all getting ready to run out ah you ready to go for the kickoff right yeah that's how I look at the spring. I, I I get ready to get my bounce. I get my bounce. I get ready, my momentum up. And then summertime is when you're supposed to be eating. That's when you're supposed to be moving as powerful as you can possibly move. All these moves that you're thinking about busting, stop talking about them and be about them. You get what I'm saying? So that fall and that winter, that's all being put together so we can go ahead and attack the spring and the fall. And then naturally, I wear off towards the end of the summer. That's how I know the fall is coming because it's time for me to do it again because I'm exhausted around this time. Like right now, I'm in it right now, but, but the summer probably was one of the hardest summers I had in a long time. You get what I'm saying? So mentally, I'm strong. Physically, I'm kind of drained, but I'm at that perfect time where I need to be getting myself together because it's big things that are going to happen this year coming. You get what I'm saying? Right. It's moves to be bust and we're going to bust them. Right. So outside of the artwork, you know what I'm saying? We invested in, in real estate. So we're in the process of flipping houses right now. So we got a small investment group. So we got, you know, a nice team of contractors. We got a realtor that we um that we trust and he's an part investor with us too. So we find the properties, we sit down at the table, we break down the numbers, everybody put what they got into the pot, we get the house done, we sell it, we sit back at the table, we break down the profits up to your percentages. So I'm doing art, making my money, killing bugs, saving my money, investing my money, trying to elevate my chip. I'm trying to have a bag so big, like, but I don't, you ain't gonna see it on me. You know what I mean? It just, it's just, that's all. I like money because you need it to survive, but money ain't really got too much value. It's a piece of paper. You, you like, so, <laughs> you so, and it's crazy, man. I'm just saying, I'm like mad proud, like, 
I feel like, you know, when we worked together, you was in a totally different space, bro. Like, yeah. like, like the person, you definitely a different person from that time to yeah. now, right? And I feel like you reached a point where you just satisfied with life outside of things that you had put a lot of bases on. You talk a lot about being broke. You yeah. talk a lot about what football meant to you. You satisfied in so many areas other areas of your life that like, them things are just like, like you say, autopilot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I still like football. I just watch it every Sunday or, you know what I mean? I work this because we need money, but I'm really invested and I'm set to find all these other areas that this don't even matter that much to me for real. Right. I'm going to break it down to you though because I feel like a lot of people need to hear this. Like, I don't think my way of life is the right way. I feel like you should do whatever makes you happy. It's like happiness is the most important thing in the world. You know what I'm saying? You can smile every day, even if you live in the hood right now, but if you're happy, you winning because there's people that got money that ain't even happy because they right. miserable with their life. They follow in a structure that they feel like it's set in front of them that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to live in a mansion. You're supposed to, you know what I'm saying, drive a Bentley. You're supposed to have a million dollars because they said so. So in order for you to get that, you got to be part of this rat race. You got to go work your ass off. You got to work overtime. You got to grind, 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 grind. When you're killing your mind and your body. You're killing your relationships. Like You're not even there for the people who might need you to be there. The important things in life, you neglect them because you think that the money is it's all it's about. You're going to spend all your time working where you ain't spending enough time living. You get what I'm saying? Wow. So I make the money so I can live because I need to survive. But I found more peace and happiness in doing the things that I want to do. So the world to me, I treat it like a game. You get what I'm saying? Like, I done been through the hard shit already. Now, this shit is all easy. Philly prepared me to be dominant in the world. There's no situation I can walk into that I feel like I can't win. You get what I'm saying? So, it's all a game to me. People that got negativity, you ever meet a person that's always mad, always trying to, like, bring some negative. I look at them people like robots. Like, you not even real. I don't even have to say nothing to you. I be, I can be in front of somebody, and they could be lashing out, cussing. Bro, I won't say nothing. I look dead in them in their face and walk off. If I can, like my goal is to get away from you. I don't have to interact with you. All you're doing is taking away from me. You're not giving me anything. Right. This is not real. This is a fake world. You mad about what are you even mad about? It's people that's pissed off about shit that don't matter. I seen a video on Instagram today. It's bumper to bumper traffic, right? This lady, and this sounds crazy because it's really happening in the video, but I'm going to explain it to you. It's going to sound crazy. This lady, she, in a, she driving the car, left hand hanging out the driver window. She got like a stick in her hand. And she like swinging it at this car. That's in the lane she's trying to get over to. So she pulls into this lane to get in front of this lady. That's it. She can't go nowhere because it's traffic. She just right. wanted to get into that spot. So the other lady, she pull up tight on this lady bumper. She get out, open this lady door in the car. They start fighting on the highway. I'm thinking like, what y'all doing? Like, why was that that deep? Like, why did you have to do all that? Why mm-hmm. was it like you can't even go nowhere? So you, whatever, I only think that was the issue that the car would did what it did. I feel like something in her personal life had her upset like that to even behave in that kind of way. Right. So I've been reading this book. It's called Being Peace. It's written by a monk, right? And he's just telling you how to be peace in the world. He said the, the dopest thing in the world. And, you know, I already understood this prior to reading it, but it just brought it full circle for me when I read it. But he was saying to um to have compassion, you know, so you have to understand. You get what I'm saying? Understand brings passion. And um to know that somebody is probably going through something, which is why they're acting out in a certain kind of way, takes the ability for me to be upset with them away. Because I'm like, damn, like, you mad, you want to fight me, you don't like me, but you don't even really know me. There's something else going on with you that's causing you to treat me this way. So I don't even need to entertain the fact that you're mad at me because 
honestly, in my world, it doesn't matter. I don't even look at you like you're a real person. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm not even going to feed into that. I'm going to try my best to bring you some peace by either walking away from you, staying silent, or literally just not responding with no negativity. I don't have to bring that to you right now. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like most people, they just, they, they cloud it. It's, it's clouded mentally because they still stuck in, you know what I mean, the, the alignment of the world we live in, which is not even a real world. Like this whole system we live in is just like flawed. It's crazy. Like, Think about politics. Think about a president. You got Trump at president right now. You know what I'm saying? You got politicians that's beefing with each other. They all lying and shit. Like, it's, just, it's a big-ass lie. Like, America is a corporation. You know, my brother was talking about this the other day. Like, the earth is like real estate. You know what I'm saying? America is just like a property. You know what I'm saying? They like a little brother to Europe. They over here making money, doing the most outlandish shit in the world, our entertainment industry, all the stuff that they promote. That just make money, you know what I mean? It's just a big cash cow. Everything is about money, and the people that's in power that's like making all the money. You probably never see these people. They don't care about none of the stuff we got going on. They cause chaos in our world, so we can stay distracted, so we can stay mentally drained. They want you to work all the time, so you can't open your mind up to what's really going on. So somebody that's out here in the world right now that's woke, you winning. Whether that you got money or not, as long as you can see what's happening, I feel like at the end of the day we gonna we the ones that's gonna break free and we are gonna be successful at the end of the day. They want you to stay distracted and focused and tired and drained because they don't want you to wake up. It's a big mirage. It's like the Matrix out here, though. Facts. It's crazy. Like it's I can't get with it. That's why I like elevate my chill. I sit in the house and draw and paint, listen to slow jams all day, and invest in real estate and stay out the way, take vacations, and you know what I mean. Just that's super dope. I don't man. care about too much of nothing else, man. No man. Just coming to the end of this thing, man. You know, uh, I don't know who you who you would recommend that's in the area, but, you know, I always ask guys to recommend me three people, three former athletes to, you know, invite on the podcast to interview. I don't know about necessarily in the area, but I know a couple of people, like you told me, you know what I'm saying, you you, you don't, and I want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm happy for you because this, this this platform you got, I've been watching for a minute, and I mean, you talk to a lot of dope people, so I don't even think about people in the area, I think about people that you just need on your show, whether or not you take a big risk and, you know what I'm saying, go holler at them on your own time, but, like me to get my homie Ty on the show. Um, you ain't never had Wit on here, did you? Never had Wit. You get Wit on here because I've been following Wit. Wit doing some things right now. Like I don't know if you've seen seeing Wit Wit out there doing this thing. I ain't yeah. gonna spoil nothing, but Wit need to get on here. And um, I don't know. One of my Doherty homies, man. I need somebody to uh, cooperate this story about Doherty. You know, so we need to show us some more love out <laughs> in the world. D West, my brother D West. You need to get my brother on here. Yeah, well, you know, plug me with some of these guys, and I'll yeah. definitely get them on. Um, I just came across another question before I let you go, man. Yeah. Um, I feel like y'all always say like Temple Tough and like Temple Made. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me what that mean to you. Well, Temple Tough is uh, is a mentality. So we we talking about Philly. You know what I'm saying? How we gritty. You know what I'm saying? We we rough. We been through stuff. You know, but we don't mind getting our hands dirty, and we don't really bow to nothing. Like no sheep. That's what Temple Tough is. It's just it's just a mentality that no matter where you at, who there, what's the obligation. I mean, um, you know, the, the thing that's in front of you that's supposed to be holding you back, supposed to be afraid of, the opposition, is what I was looking for that word. Just attack it head on. That's what Temple Tough is. Temple made is, that's what you come out as. Temple can make you anything. It's just all about what you choose to take from it. Temple made me a man. Put it that way. That's tough, man. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point to end it on. That's a quotable right there. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you for doing hey, the show, bro. I appreciate bro. you having me, man. They say you a athlete, shut up and dribble. Finish your career, you stuck in the middle. Figured it out, then you stuck with the riddle.
Broke your body down, got stuck in the spittle. Might have had pro dreams if you made it to the top. Might have make it to the lead, but you made it up the block. They were screaming your name, they were screaming your name. Lifetime dreams just to get in the game. Now you up in your dorm, trying to take in your plan. Got a lot on your well, plate. Do it for the fam. 